Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. From the beginning of kind of spirituality, these disciplines that are present in the Bible and are present in God's Word that often get neglected in 21st century life, period, but America too, because we have the privilege of having a lot of it at our fingertips all the time. So, so far we've talked about silence. We've talked about solitude. For the last two weeks, we talked about meditation. What is a biblical meditation? And if you want to go back and listen to that first message on biblical meditation or share it with someone, it is on our podcast, which if you go to our website, there's a link to the podcast on Spotify or iTunes, not iTunes, what's it called now? Apple Podcasts, anything you'd like. And today I thought to wrap us up, I'd like us to talk about Sabbath. What does it look like to enter in to Sabbath rest? Now, we would all agree, probably, we might, I think we would, that the Ten Commandments are good, right? Like, have no other gods before me. Don't take, other, don't take my name in vain. Uh, don't murder anyone. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. I should be able to rattle them off really easily. Like, we paid a lot of money for me to get a degree to learn these things. <laughs> Uh, that, was, that was many years ago. There's been babies since then. But the point being that when we think of God's ways, we think, yeah, like they're good. I can ascribe to those. But in my opinion, there's one that the God of our culture, the God of our internal selves, has maybe the hardest, uh, the, the, the most issue with. And that would be honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? We just move on from that one. We just say, Sabbath is in our hearts. I read an article that said, we don't need to practice Sabbath anymore because Christ is our Sabbath. And so there's some confusion, I think, of like what in the Old Testament, in God's law that was written for the nation of Israel thousands of years ago, what part of that is for us now? And what part of that is part of the law that maybe isn't for us now, right? Like who here eats pork? Yeah, don't just raise your hand, do a dance, man. (laughs) Like if I'm at a Mexican restaurant, I am eating pork. Whatever the pork option is, I am eating it, okay? So there's, there's laws like that that we don't ascribe to anymore, right? Because the Old Testament would say, if you're keeping kosher, you're not going to eat pork. You're not going to eat shellfish. Um, you're not going to have dairy and meat together, right? And there are many Jewish people who still honor that, and they still live that way because their identity is Jewish. Most of us, our identity is not. And so that's the question. Like, what did God say that means something now? And what can we kind of let go of and say, We don't have to, like, stone people who dishonor their parents, right? Because that was back then. So think about that, children. Oh, the children are gone. (laughs) No. (laughs) Let's talk about Sabbath. I'm going to kind of come at you with three different ideas and digging into God's word about Sabbath. And what I'm going to share with you is that kind of base level 
this is what the Bible says about it. And then as we kind of go through this next few months as a church, we'll talk more about what does that look like for us or what does it look like in your daily life. But today I'm trying to lay the foundation. Does that make sense? All right. <clears throat> so here's a couple things to consider. I think I have three. Here's one. That God set the first example for us in how we are to live. As the creator of the universe, he has set up an example for us of the universe and its rhythms. Okay? So God did not need anything from us, from creation, and he certainly doesn't get physically worn out. Can we agree to this, these ideas? And yet, in Genesis 1-1, when God creates the heavens and the earth, I should have had Jojo, this was her memory verse this week, was Genesis 1-1 through 5, is that God created the heavens and the earth. He created darkness and light. He created the seas and the land. He created animals and humans and vegetation. And then on the seventh day, after six days of work, he rested. He took a rest, a break, from the work of creating. And the reason why this is important, even though a lot of us have probably like heard this before, um, and, and whether you believe in a literal seven days of creation or not, um, that's not really that important. The point is there was a six to one ratio of work and rest, okay? And I'll point you to noticing that God in his perfection rested. Not after Adam and Eve, not after sin, not after these things that, that made us more fragile in this world, but that from the beginning of time, God set the example of six days of work and one day of rest. Okay? So Sabbath then, this idea of taking a rest, becomes the foundation out of his goodness, not as a way to help us now that there's sin, not that there's a way to help us now that we're separated from him and, and, uh, and we're not walking in the garden day by day with him. But no, from the very beginning of creation, God set up the rhythm of the universe this way. And he set that example for us in the perfection of his creation. Okay, and that's important to know because that's where if someone says, well, Christ is our Sabbath, Christ is the, is the propitiation for our sins. He's the reconciliation of us to God. But before that reconciliation was needed, yes. there was Sabbath. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so Christ isn't in some way fulfilling that for us. Okay. So Sabbath became the foundation then. This idea of rhythms as the foundation for the laws and ways of teaching that are to govern God's people and set them apart from the rest of how people function. Because God said, I did this, and now I want you to do this the same. I'll read here in Exodus. 
In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here in Exodus, they're, they're freed from slavery and God, Moses, is giving them the law that God has given to them and saying, just as God rested after creation, I'm asking you to rest, okay? And, and in that rest, what our culture would call laziness, you've got no hustle, your house isn't clean, hashtag living in squalor, that, that there is holiness, perfection, wholeness in that rest. And we do not feel that way when we take a rest. We feel like we need to apologize for taking a rest. We feel like we're being like, it could be accomplishing so much taking a rest. And yet in scripture, from the very beginning of God's ways and teachings, he says, when you rest this way, the Sabbath day is made holy. Your rest and everything you do in it, it's like, it's like this bubble that can be um, a day of rest. In Exodus 31, it says, For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. <laughs> so I share that not because I think you should be put to death, uh, or I should, but um, because like God is deadly serious when he says you need to observe Sabbath. Like as my people, this is like, this is a non-negotiable, right? Just like we would say murder, non-negotiable, right? Same. God is saying this one day of rest in seven is non-negotiable. It's part of what makes you my people. Now, in Leviticus 23, it says there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. So there's this idea that we come together to worship God on that day. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. And so what we can learn from this scripture is that Sabbath extends beyond the confines of the land that they're in. And that becomes really important when Israel is conquered and everyone has to go to Babylon for 70 years and live as people outside of their land. Instead of being majority culture, now suddenly they're minority culture. And what this is saying is wherever you live, wherever you go, you are still to observe Sabbath. So Sabbath extends beyond the confines of the land they're in. This is for when they're at home and when they're in exile. For when culture makes it easy to Sabbath, like because everyone you know Sabbaths and everything is closed on Sundays, right? Sabbath in Montana was a lot easier than it is here because everything's still closed on Sundays in Montana. That's not how we live now, is it? Right? So Sabbath is for when culture makes it easy, and Sabbath is for cult when culture makes it hard. When you're living in Babylon, when you're living outside of the comfortability or the way that everyone is living this way, right? So I want you to think about in our country, I have a lot of friends who are like, I just want to move to Tennessee where people believe what I believe. 
right? Or I just want to move to Texas or whatever. I have a lot of friends moving to Tennessee and Texas right now. <laughs> or Idaho, that's the other big one. But that's the dichotomy. Like, are you going to live in Tacoma and live God's way? Are you going to go somewhere where it's easier to live God's way and where people maybe morally think like you and live more like you and have your same values, right? So God is saying that this law of his, this Sabbath, goes beyond where you're living, where it's easy, and where it's hard. Amen. It's saying no matter the culture around you, you are to stick your flag in the, in the, on the top of the mountain and say, this is a hill worth dying on. There's going to be one day in my week where I don't accomplish anything, where I'm just present to the Lord and delight in him. We'll talk about what that looks like for us in a minute. I'm just giving you the biblical breakdown, okay? Okay, so Deuteronomy 5.14. Notice this, because this is so revolutionary. This is, I mean, when, the, when people are like, the Bible is written by men, it's all oppressive, I'm like, it was revolutionary. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 5.14. The seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Okay. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox or your donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner that resides in your towns, i.e., you don't get a pass if someone's working for you who's not Jewish. They still have to rest. They cannot work for you. And it says, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So when God is setting up the statute... He's saying that we are meant to, like God did for us, bring Sabbath to the people in our lives. He's saying that this is not for the elite among you who own land where you rest on a day and all of your servants and your sons and daughters and your animals are working just like every other day. It's saying that one day in seven has nothing to do with how much money you make or how prestigious you are. Everyone is supposed to rest Amen. from the top of the household, which in this culture was a very big deal, to the donkey who's working for you. You have to let that donkey rest. I mean, isn't that mind-blowing in this time to say everyone rests on this day? So that's the first idea I want to, to set with you is that God has set this example, that God has said in his ways and laws that there is something about the six to one ratio that needs to be observed, not just for me, but also for my children. Not just for me, but also people who work or serve or do anything for me. Thank goodness we have cars now that don't have to Sabbath. <laughs> Can you imagine if on Sundays it's like, well, the donkey's not working. So I'm going to church where I can walk to. And that's that. Because you had to let your animals rest. Right? So here we go into kind of the second idea I'm going to share with you. <clears throat> and that, that is... 
is that God set in motion what the rhythms of the universe are. The universe was set up in a particular way, and being filled with the Spirit, uh, having God renew your strength, those things do not violate the rhythms the Lord has set up in the universe. Okay, so let's look at some of them. One is that God created seasons. Okay, we're very lucky here because, you know, when we lived in Ellensburg, it's like it is sunny and it is hot or it is sunny and there is snow. But (laughs) that's kind of it, (laughs) right? Here we're like, We know the minutia of the week-by-week Pacific Northwest seasonal changes, right? I don't know what's happening right now, but I'll take it. I was like, we're at the pumpkin patch, and there's a, we had a um, fire pit yesterday at the pumpkin patch, and we're like, oh, (laughs) because it was so hot, we were trying to do s'mores, and we're like, get away, (laughs) because there's, I mean, it's, you know, an October, brisk October morning, it's like 72 degrees. Um, I got sunburnt. I was like, I am so sunburnt from our October pumpkin patch, Um, but God set up seasons. There's seasons to harvest. There's seasons to grow. There's seasons to lie dormant. You don't get to spring and summer without winter, the dormancy of the winter. And yet, some of us live our lives like it's spring and summer all the time, right? And what I mean by that is, We should always be producing fruit. We should always be growing. We should always see these beautiful signs that great stuff is happening. Not thinking about the way that the Lord himself has set up our natural world to allow for seasons. Again, before the fall, before there was sin, every day was not 80 degrees and sunny. There were seasons that God set in motion. And I think, of course, because I'm pregnant, I think about this, right? I think, think about someone, like I think about my mom, right? So my grandma was ill when she was pregnant with my mom. It was her second baby in two years. So you think of what pregnancy does to a body, and then getting pregnant right away after, like that's not great for your body, right? So my OB is like, I want you to wait at least six to eight months before you would be okay getting pregnant again because your body needs to replenish, right? And I think my mom has some health issues, but when she was born, right after she was born, her mom went into a tuberculosis sanatorium for almost the first year of my mom's life because she had had two babies right in a row and her body was so depleted by the time she had my mom that my mom was sick and my grandma was sick, right, for a long time. And I think this is why our doctors say, go ahead and take a little breather, eat really good foods and get a lot of sunshine and make sure your body is replenished before you get pregnant again, right? Now, there are some people who can be perpetually pregnant and they seem to be fine, like I'm thinking of like 19 kids and counting or something like that, but that is definitely the exception, right? 
Most of us cannot do that. And my friend Kim, she breeds German Shepherds in Montana, she and her daughter, Shana. And it's like, you breed them in the fall, you breed them in the spring, and that dog's done. Right? Because you think about, like, it's not healthy for our bodies to be producing all the time. Does that make sense? Think about, like, a person or a dog who's getting <laughs> pregnant every single time they can. They're, they are going to waste away themselves. Right? And that's what I think of as far as, like, that's violating the laws of the universe. You don't just ask something to produce and produce and produce and produce and produce and produce. You let it lie dormant for a time, and then they're healthy enough to produce again. But we say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm feeling really run down. Will you just pray for me that the Holy Spirit renews me? No. You need to take a nap. You need to take a sabbatical. You need to eat good food, for heaven's sake. We are the worst, man. We're like, we are busy, so McDonald's it is. Like, you need to take care of your body in the way that God has set your body up to work. And the Holy Spirit is not there to fill in the gaps of what Sabbath was meant to give you. So think about the seasons, okay? I think about how God, the very first thing, right? He creates day and night. What is night for? <laughs> Sleeping, rest. And I think about, like, you know, you read articles about kids who go from Africa and they get scholarships to run. I don't know if anyone, I read very random articles, but a bunch of kids came from Africa. They got scholarships to study in Anchorage. And there's very, 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 very long days part of the year, and there's very short days part of the year, right? So they came from Africa, full scholarships to go to Anchorage. And of course, their families are like, you've got to go. You've got to do this. This is like a, the best opportunity ever. Well, two of them ended up taking their own lives because this idea of like super long days, small nights, and then really long nights and small days, it, it messed with their internal rhythms. And we hear that, right? Like my friend Janine was a night nurse for her first three years of nursing. And she turned into a different person. She's like, I'll wake up in a parking lot asleep, and I don't know how I got there. I hear sirens in my head. And she was just like kind of a zombie person because our bodies are not meant to be nocturnal, right? Just like the raccoons in Tacoma have left their nocturnal lives to become day raccoons, which they should not. So we are not meant to become people who work all night, right? Like, think about the way God has set up our natural bodies. So there we have two-thirds awake and one-third rest, right? So think of that ratio. That's even more intense than Sabbath. And we all know what happens when you neglect the rhythms of sleep. No one in here can be like, I don't get enough sleep and I treat everyone really well. <laughs> or I don't get enough sleep and my body's working great. No. Like, do you see how I'm saying there's rhythms God has set up that you cannot escape? This is not a matter of faith or courage or boldness or anything else. Like, he has set you up this way. And then 
my favorite thing that kind of exemplifies the way God has set things up is that he even created the land for Sabbath rest. Right? So in Leviticus 25, it says, in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. So this goes beyond even your servants, your sons and daughters, your animals. But that once every seven years, even the land that produces your food is supposed to take a rest. And you're not supposed to get anything from it that year. And what's so interesting about that is that now we have this idea in agriculture, don't we? That you rotate the fields that you use for a certain, specifically for a certain crop because different crops pull up different nutrients. So like when we were at the farm yesterday, someone said, it was either Angela or you guys, I know you've been there before, said, oh, where the pumpkins are now, that used to be the corn maze, right? And I was like, oh yeah, they're rotating. It's crop rotation. Like the corn takes something and then the next year it's pumpkins there instead because the pumpkins take something else. But it's like, okay, God had the idea first, you guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like before it was an agricultural thing. God said every seven years, you've got to let the land rest. And what's interesting is that when God has given hundreds of years to his people for them to obey and turn to him. He finally lets Babylon take over and all of Israel, except for a few like sick or older people, are taken to Babylon. Does anyone remember how long they were there? 70 years. Why? A generation in Israelite culture is 40 years. That's how long they spent in the wilderness after Egypt. So it's like, why 70? right? Look at Leviticus 26. It says, now, this is not in exile. This is not God has already let them be taken over by Babylon. This is way, way, way before that. He warns them and he says, if you're not going to obey me, this is what will happen. You will be carried off by another nation. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate and you are in the country of your enemies, then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. Leviticus 26, and all the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have. During the Sabbaths, you lived in it. And it says in 2 Chronicles, so the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. All the time of its desolation, it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word the Lord had spoken, saying this, <clears throat> that God is saying, if you don't rest the land, I will rest it for you. And I like this idea because they're there 70 years because 70 Sabbath years worth of time had been skipped for the land. Because they're like, no, we got to keep producing. We got to keep going. We got to get the, like, we have to, we're not going to trust in the Lord to provide for us that year because the Lord said, I'll give you three times as much in the sixth year. So on the seventh year, you'll have what you need. And they were like, no, keep producing all the time. Don't let the land rest. 
And God said, if you won't keep the Sabbath for the land, I will keep it for you. And you will be gone the same number of years that you owed to the land for it to rest. I mean, that's like, he is very serious <laughs> about Sabbath, right? About the natural way things are created. And so when we think about these rhythms, these rhythms were set up by the Lord for our benefit. Yeah, I got you, Isaac. For our benefit. And then not just for our benefit, but actually for the benefit of creation. This is the way he has set up our world to work. And they can't be changed, these rhythms, no more than the sun rising and setting can change or the seasons can change. As much as we're like, let it be summer, there is no amount of let it be summer we can do that will change the day of summer coming even one bit. Right? I mean, the weather is like the one thing <laughs> that humans still have not figured out. And so this is what I think happens around Sabbath, okay? Because this is the way the Lord has set up our universe, right? Flowers to bloom, logs to decompose so that more logs can like more trees can come up from it, right? These are the laws of the universe that the Lord has set up for us. I believe that if we don't take Sabbath, God will take it for you. This is what I mean. Your body will tell on you. Right? Anxiousness. And I am not saying, I got to be really really clear. I am not saying that if you are sick, it's because you're sinning. That is not what I'm saying. That is not what we believe. How you, we live in a fallen world. So like you being sick is not in direct correlation to you doing something wrong. Okay? Does everyone have that like real strong? Because I don't want there to be any confusion. But what I'm saying is I remember a time where I was so sick and I kept kind of like getting, like my tummy wasn't right. For me, it's always tummy stuff. Like, my tummy's just not right. And we are on in Spokane at this, like, thing we're supposed to be at for training. We've driven from Ellensburg to Spokane. And I am sitting in my aunt's bathroom, unable to leave. I am so sick. And the Lord goes, are you going to listen to me now? And I'm like, this wasn't the Lord punishing me. This was like... The, the grace of the Lord to say to me, the way that you've been running your life and your body is not sustainable. Are you listening to me now? Because he didn't send this. He's trying to prevent this, right? He's trying to prevent that I'm going to pass out any moment feeling that I was kind of just used to living with <laughs> at that point. But your body will tell on you constant migraines, tummy trouble, anxiety in your body, not being able to sleep. Your spirit will tell on you if you're feeling really angsty and confused and feeling like you just can't get to that place of peace that you know God offers us. We, we, we over-spiritualize. We make it all about how Jesus has to come in and rescue us, and we just need more strength from the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, sometimes your spirit is telling on you 
because you have not been living, I have not been living the way God has set me up to live, which is that I'm not supposed to be accomplishing stuff all the time. Sabbath is the one day a week we remember that God's love for us has nothing to do with what we can accomplish. That we are valued as a child of God apart from what we do, apart from how clean our house is, apart from how healthy our children eat. Thank God. That's what Sabbath is for. It's a living reminder of the way God has set up the universe for you as his child and not as his worker be. And lastly, that the Sabbath was made for you. Think about what Jesus said. He heals on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, dude. I mean, if you go to Brooklyn, New York right now and enter into the Hasidic Jewish community, on a Sunday, if you want to walk somewhere, because you're only allowed to walk a certain amount of distance, you put your bag on a hook and it flies across the street to where you're going to pick it up because you're not allowed to carry something on the Sabbath. Right? In Israel, on a Sunday, the elevator stops on every single floor because pushing an elevator button is work. So you just got to wait your turn <laughs> for the door to open on your floor. Okay? I'm, I'm not saying that that's the way we need to live now. I'm saying that the Sabbath was made for you because Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. The Pharisees get mad at him. And what does he say to them? He says, the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. I.e., Sabbath is something God gave you to serve you, not the other way around. So when we think about Sabbath, we think about God gifting us something that we, we desperately need and not something where we're trying to check a bunch of boxes to say that we did Sabbath. That's more work. (laughs) Okay, so what can Sabbath look like today? I've given you kind of this biblical foundation, right? What can the Sabbath look like today? And we'll explore this more in the coming weeks and months. For our family, it's Saturday. It's a day of the week that you choose. And that day of the week can change. You know, my friend Steve, he's a pastor and he's married to a nurse and her schedule is all bonkers, right? It doesn't go Monday through Friday. So sometimes each new week, they have to pick a day that they're going to Sabbath. And sometimes he has to take his Sabbath on Monday and she takes her Sabbath on Thursday because their schedules don't line up. Okay. They're empty nesters. Okay. How do you Sabbath with young children? I don't know. Write a book on it, and then we could all benefit. Um, There are books on it, and we'll get into that. (laughs) So you can pick a day of the week, the whole family, or separately, depending on your situation. Sabbath is a time for rest, delight, play, doing things that fill you, and being present to God in those places. So for some, for me, on my Sabbath day, I'm like, I finally get to work in the yard. 
And it makes me so happy to get on my gloves, not every week, but I'm just saying like sometimes it hits me. Wouldn't it be nice to have a clean yard? And I put my gloves on and I get my clippers out and I feel so satisfied and so happy to have like my Wagner or Brahms playing on my Bluetooth speaker and to just be doing yard work in God's creation. That's life-giving to me. When I ask Amos to do yard work, however, <laughs> that is like a death sentence. That is like the worst thing you could ask him to do. You know, you, we all have things. It's dishes, it's vacuuming, it's dust, like whatever it is for all of us, right? So Sabbath doesn't need to even look the same for everybody because Amos might go on a run for Sabbath. And you know, I might not. I might or I might not, okay? We'll just leave it up in the air. The point is, is that it's time for us to rest and delight and not accomplish anything. I think it's good often to gather with others for laughter and a meal, right? Just that, that bread and, and butter that feeds our souls when we're with other people who we love and who are safe for us. I think it's a good day to find time to worship God or delight in his presence. And for a lot of us, Sunday Sabbaths make sense because we tend to start with church and then we can go off into our lives and go hike with friends or go home and have a meal. Take a nap on Sabbath. Take a nap. I have friends who I have, they have been on this Sabbath journey and they're way far ahead of us. Like we're still kind of beginners. Um, but they're pastors in university place and they have really taken to heart this idea of Sabbath. They have four kids. Their oldest is, I want to say nine. And they said, you know, on Sabbath, uh, John makes this special salsa that he only makes on Saturdays. And Gina has these chocolate chip cookies that her and the kids make that they only bake on Saturdays. And it's these things with their family that are special and give life to them. On Sabbath, you're supposed to eat your food with delight. Whereas every other day of the week, you might just be <laughs> like last night. Okay, so after the hoot nanny, I'm laying on the couch and um, I go, it's like 7 p.m., right? It's like past dinner, whatever. And I go, Amos, can you just bring me the bag of life cereal and a Diet Coke? And I just ate life cereal out of the like Costco size pack. And that was dinner. <laughs> okay? Sometimes that's dinner. But on Sabbath, you're supposed to get to enjoy your food. You're supposed to eat food that you love and brings life to you. You're not supposed to eat it in a rush or a hurry. Jewish culture would say, it's not good Sabbath without good sex. So if you're married, take your time, okay? That's inbounds. The point is this. The point is not that we think about all the things we're not doing on Sabbath or following a law because we better check that box so that God's happy with us. The point is that the Sabbath was made for you and it's written into the script of the universe that you would rest regularly, not once in a while, not when you're on vacation in Hawaii. 
that's good too. I mean, God has a lot of other rules where it's like, and then every third month on the seventh day, you Sabbath for seven days. I mean, and then every 70 years or 50 years, it's a whole year of Sabbath and all the slaves get freed and all the debts are, are I mean, we could go on and on and on basically with how adamant God is <laughs> that you take a rest. So I don't know what it looks like for you. Uh, John and Gina are going to come speak to us while I'm on maternity leave because all of January, we're going to be focusing on Sabbath. And as a church, we are going to try to commit that each family would observe Sabbath for four weeks of January. Yeah, you're into it, Isaac. I love it. Look what you're doing. Good job, Bubs. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about this more, just as we keep talking about silence and solitude and biblical meditation as those things that we've neglected in our culture. So we'll keep talking about Sabbath. Sabbath rest, Sabbath joy, Sabbath delight. Let's pray. Lord, I just think of all the times that I have despised the limits that you have given me. The limits on my body, the limits on my time, the limits of what I can accomplish. But Lord, in this moment, God, this morning, Lord, we are thanking you for the limits that you have set in place in our world and in our bodies. Lord, they are your gift to us. Our limits are a gift. They remind us that we will never be able to accomplish what you can accomplish with a snap of your fingers, Lord. They remind us that we are wholly and utterly dependent on you. They remind us that we are fragile and that we are in need of help from you and from others. And our rest reminds us, Lord, that we are your children first. And you delight simply to be with us. And so, Lord, we trust you now to teach us and to guide us in this journey to help us notice when we're pushing past our limits, to help us notice when we're asking others to do the same, to help us discover what your rhythms mean for us, Lord, what a day of rest and delight would look like. And Lord, we thank you for your grace in our many mistakes. Lord, we're not always going to get it right, but God, we want what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace through Jesus Christ our Lord and the rest of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect 
and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.